That's Luke Black announcing himself to Serbia. It's January 2023, and his song, Samo Misi Spava, has just dropped. I love it! This is sexual. Oh my gosh, the quality, the quality, the production. It's a surprise, isn't it? This is a surprise. Do you hear that beat? The beat is... Oh my god. It all started so well. I can't wait to showcase all of the possibilities that I could do if I had a bigger stage in my career. <laughs> he had the backing of Constractor, who had just placed fifth in Turin, giving Serbia its best result at Eurovision in a decade. I will tell you, I listened to this Samo Mrs. Pava, look black. Mm. I sing that one. Uh, You're a backing vocalist? No, 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 I'm just oh. singing in my head. Oh. La, 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 Samo Mrs. Pava. The national selection, PZE, it was so close. He was a fan favorite, but it was unclear whether this bedroom artist would prove a hit with the juries too. But it did. He placed second with both the public and industry professionals pushing him to the top. This is Luke speaking to our Sinan moments after winning. Oh my god. It was like a blow in my stomach when I when I like saw the jury vote and like the public and like I'm just like I don't know like I'm so happy. I I, I hope they will clap. I'm like Tinkerbell. Like you need Definitely. to clap for me to like keep sparkling. The applause continued until it didn't. Some people said his entry wasn't Serbian enough. But when tragedy struck in Belgrade, just before Eurovision, he was forced to become a national symbol. Eight pupils and a security guard have been killed in a school shooting in the Serbian capital, Belgrade. I really want to say to my country, please stay safe and this will pass, but we need to you know, address this properly. How did he hold it together with the whole nation watching? Serbia, they keep kind of putting everything on your shoulders as though I'm a politician or something like that. And did it tarnish his experience in Liverpool? I was like crying so much in, in the hotel room. You know, we would go out to get food and then I would run into the toilet to cry. This is a story of what really happened at Eurovision. Hey, you guys, it's William Carling from Wee Wee Blogs. And it's Freddie here too. The songs competing in Serbia's national selection for Eurovision 2024 have just dropped. But before we dive into this year, we need to pay homage to the man who became a European cult favourite ahead of Liverpool, Mr. Luke Black. It was hard to know, ahead of PZE last year, whether this avant-garde take on industrial electropop Sama Mrs. Bava would even garner enough attention. You know that expression, always bet on black? Well, his success, Freddie, it was not guaranteed. No, that's right. The performance, it looked neat and tidy on stage, but the road to the stage, well, it was a lot messier than that. Yeah, we asked Luke all about it at the end of last year. Here are the highlights. Luke Black, huge star now. You won PZE 23 in Serbia. This really put you on the radar for a lot of people outside of Serbia. I just want to rewind and start there, this positive moment, this peak. The moments after that, what was that like for you? I don't really remember. I, re I remember applying just in order to promote my song. Uh, at the time, it was called Sleep Forever. And then I translated it into Serbian to Samo Mrs. Bava. 
and I was doing like a bedroom production, like I didn't even pay for the song, you know, like it, it's just out of out of my bedroom with my really close friends who happen to be um, really, really, really talented creatives from um, London. And we conceptualized the performance. We were like, okay, we're going to treat this as, as some sort of like a music video. If you don't win, it's fine. You'll get the video. It, it's you, That was the point of it. Uh, but then, you know, I was surprised to have won <laughs> um, because I didn't expect the Sebium um, audience to like it, really. I really didn't. And I think that was a really big surprise. There was a moment up to the finale where we where my song was getting so much traction and and uh, mm. engagement in terms of comments and you know maybe not views as much but because like loads of other people had like millions and millions of views um in one day but i think like that spoke to me a lot and it really woke me up at that point and i didn't really realize what was going on but the serbian media made it really real <laughs> with like loads of stuff that they've been writing and i i got like uh, my my serbian media treatment um i got like to taste that cake and i will never have it again <laughs> but what was the kind of initial reaction because if it was, it was quite popular in money obviously you won so there must have been some kind of positive reaction from serbian media itself yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I think like our country is kind of like quite gentle with everything in a way where it it gets um, it starts having theories and theories uh, why someone won, and it's always like, oh, you know, the the articles were mostly coming from the Serbian established stars as well that you know it was rigged or something like that that I won. How can I win if I'm you know like no, a nobody? And there were so many people who were already established who competed that like didn't get to win and blah 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 so it, it started like almost on the negative note it was only like after eurovision that kind of like that turnaround of media happened with me because of the tragic events that happened and they were surprised that i was talking maturely about it um so they were like oh he's not bad actually <laughs> so yeah so we, we that that was the turnover i guess like with the media and from then on it was quite good and the reception was um i think better i think a lot of eurovision fans would be surprised because we assumed you were a massive star when you won pze 23 <laughs> so could you compare yourself in terms of your popularity before that show and the other competitors where would you rank yourself at at that point Oh, definitely like a bedroom artist. Like, um, I mean, it's 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 a really funny kind of like, what's it called? Like an oxymoron. I've been making music since I was 15, 16 in my hometown in Serbia. And uh, it was always in English. And it was always idea-wise. I made concepts that are worth like millions and millions of pounds. And I had like a zeros and only zeros, not the ones. It all seems really pretty and developed and expensive, I guess, as though I'm a star because I really worked hard on every project that I had. But it's in reality, the same way with Pese, it like literally bedroom production. And even if it seems like, you know, there's this big robot that like, you know, my friend uh, Razorade, who made the robot, he worked with Grimes and, you know, Furman and Vaso, they worked with Ashniko and loads of loads of, you know, like really influential pop musicians. And then there is me 
who's like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, can you can you, you know, spare a bit of your talent for me? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would definitely say I would definitely wouldn't think of myself even now, even after Eurovision. I, I think like, you know, in the span of Eurovision, you get to be this big star and you get treated and once it's done you just nothing <laughs> like nothing happened but uh, I really like it because you know I I can do I can play video games without like being super tired and exhausted from loads of touring and loads of you know what I mean and I can just make music and um, I'm I'm back to where I was I think only there's loads of more people liking me so that's good we take it back to PZE and you've got your kind of first initial kind of reactions from the press. Were you prepared for that kind of stuff? Does that kind of stuff, does it wash over you very easily? I think what's good about me is that I was able to communicate even through some provoking that I had in the media. I surprised myself in a way of being able to handle communications and conversations very smartly, I would say. I was never actually provoked. I wasn't ready for it. But to be honest, like, you know, when you when 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 I do music, I don't really think about it. I just I just make it and make it and release it. And, you know, maybe it's too dark. Maybe it's not up to everybody's taste. Uh, but, you know, I just do it, do it. And then the, the performance as well and winning. I never really thought about it. I just went to the interview one, two, three, four, like I had to I had to go. What I wasn't prepared for actually was when they started like harassing my parents, <laughs> you know, for some deep, deep info or secret. Like there were there must have been something wrong with me because like I don't know, they were trying to find it out and you know they they didn't but that was a big reality check like I remember they went to my mom's pharmacy or like the news reports and you know like just like trying to find some debt on on like me I wasn't prepared for that I I wasn't really thinking that people actually do it I was thinking it's always orchestrated what you want out or not but they they were actually like investigating everything about me across the street from my dad's place there is a, a a suit shop and i remember i saw that shop on tv they were interviewing the guy from across the road they were like oh he's really nice he always recycles <laughs> i'm like what the hell i guess i wasn't really thinking about it you know in hindsight i think it was interesting <laughs> but it also must be a little hurtful we came across one headline they were accusing you of being part of the Illuminati. Um, yeah. Are you a part of the Illuminati? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think like uh, when you, when you really think about it, it's really funny because I'm literally just a bedroom musician. I just make my stuff there, and you know, I would I would reckon that if they were thinking that I was an Illuminati, like I would have to be at least rich or something or powerful, and you know, I'm, I'm just like struggling doing bedroom production, pulling favors here and there to to make stuff happen. So, no. Good answer. I think a lot of the backlash, and correct me if I'm wrong, seemed to stem from the fact that your music kind of resonated a lot with kind of a wider queer audience. Yeah, I think there was a lot of misconception about the visual, actually. The music was kind of like pop industrial, uh, half English, half Serbian, and it was talking about a really dark topic that is literally 
since the beginning of time we had turmoil that has happened and you know now with the presence of internet and everything we know things that are happening and we're turning a blind eye and it was like a really critical thing and i wanted to showcase it with this big giant robot but with a big sensational pop choreo like lady gaga style and you know performance art as well and i think you know, seeing a giant metallic robot and like unplugging people from like really like matrix like cables and doing, you know, all of that pop, like a male artist having a pop choreo centralized, making a lotus flower, you know, being kind of dramatic. I think I'm really happy that it resonated with, with queer people, but I also think it resonated a lot with the older, uh, mature audience in Serbia, which was a really uh, surprising thing for me. They loved it. The gamers, the people in the 80s, they, you know, were in Yugoslavia, they were like listening to, we were a country that had like loads of rock music, rock festivals. Like it, it, it was an amazing kind of uh, time music-wise. And I think they started getting excited excited about an artist in Serbia after they saw that. And the queer scene, obviously, like, yeah, some of Mrs. Pava is, is, you know, perfect for a drag performance as well. <laughs> I think most of my new music, actually, I think, I think the drag queens are going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> and earlier you mentioned that a lot of the top celebrities, they were part of the backlash. They weren't kind <clears throat> and they were looking, creating theories about why you won. Did any pop stars come out to defend you? Who was on your side? Aha. Uh -huh. Oh, that's a that's an interesting question. This is really weird, but like there there was always in my head, um, you know, you had two big stars in Serbia. One is called JK and one is called Ceta. And I was always on the side of the JK because she was like mostly supporting LGBT community and everything. And the other person was kind of, you know, throughout history, I don't even know what she's gone through, but great music. But, you know, I can't really stand for the personality. But then it flipped because like Tseta was the one who supported me and the JK person, she was the one who was criticizing me. Um, so I was like, oh, wait. I, I'm really surprised that this happened. The biggest supporter, there was a, a Seika Alexic is her name as well. People love her on Twitter right now. She she started being like a really, like a, a gal pal on Twitter. And um, most importantly, Maria Sharifovic, who, who won Eurovision in 2007. Yeah, with Molitva, like she was, she was the one who was supporting me a lot. So I think like that was really great, and obviously Constructa, um, but let's not put her there <laughs> in in that category. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there there were, but the loads of people who weren't supporting me uh, stemmed from being on the um, management side uh, of the artists that were you know, like, or a part of the label. It's just how they, you know, function. Like, some people don't have any manners. And I think, like, that's how they think the business is done. Like, you undermine a young talent because your person in your label didn't win. And, you know, you hold the media and then you mm. start writing the Illuminati and satanic kind of things. And, uh, yeah, I would have to say that definitely with the backlash that I had uh, from some of the people who are like really big in diaspora, I think like they didn't vote for me in the end because I think they 
satanized me basically like they were sending a message to everybody who's like following them you know in the other countries where they live that i'm like this really really bad person and i'm sharing this like end of the world message and so just to clarify for people who didn't follow a lot of the rival acts and big names were accusing you of worshiping the devil being the devil yeah, 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 yeah. They were. Um, I've never really thought about it. That's what. I, that's what I'm. I, I really thought that this performance was kind of anti-globalistic in a way. Like you know, it's not that I'm anti-globalistic, but like in a way, it's like when you have a film and it's always like you're fighting this big corporation that's that wants to take over the world. And I think like in video games, you have that a lot. So I what I was fighting the the quote devil or something whatever can you give us a flavor of what the kind of industry is like in serbia i know you're based in london you've kind of worked mostly in london but how interconnected is everyone then i don't have any friends in the music industry in serbia apart from constructor parts of it is a bit more my fault because i'm kind of like when i find someone like i just don't need anyone else <laughs> but um that, and, and that's not a good advice for for um for musicians <laughs> network people network i think like i've noticed through some of my younger friends that there's a collective of people supporting each other's pop music right now that's on the that's on the rise there are people that are kind of changing the industry back to at least coexisting with Serbian folk music. One of the biggest reasons why I moved to London basically is like when I started out, there was no Spotify, there was nothing, you know, like, and I just didn't want to make music for the, for the market. I didn't, I'm just making music because I love it. So I don't really, wouldn't know how to market it, to be honest. I don't even know how to market it in London, but like, um, it's definitely more of a home for for what I do. And I think like I like developed as an artist here a lot. You mentioned up and coming artists. Constracta took you under her wing. Why do you think she was able to see and value you in a way others in Serbia weren't? Uh, that's a really good question. I I think so back in 2010, uh, I um, I messaged through YouTube. Um, Zemna Gruva, which is Constructor's band, and I kind of like always saw her. Um, I thought she was the, she was the face of the band, right? And then I opened it up, and it was Milovan, the producer, and I was like, "Oh wait, who's this guy?" <laughs> you know, it was really it was really bad because I expected a you know like a, a beautiful black-haired woman, and there was Milovan. Um, but I started working with them. They understood my music. It's about love, you know. Constructor has been making amazing really deep really altruistic kind of music and i think that there was no place for a long time for that in in the hearts of serbian people or they just don't have the media attention like there was loads of people who found out about me and they were like where were you ten for all these 10 years you were there and we didn't know about you like with her as well like when she went with incorporesano i think like um people were like oh what the hell like she's she's been here and they started discovering her catalog and I was there for the most of it really like all of the songwriting processes that they had as a band and you know I was also working with them before so I think her supporting me on Pazaya if you think we're Eurovision is based a lot on our friendship but I don't know we just really it's just really two artists understanding each other and you know drinking tea and talking mm. about candles and uh, she has a similar kind of brain like me 
So I guess like in that kind of way, she and she really supports artists like young artists as well. Like uh, you can see her being really, really supportive of everybody who was at Pazea as well, who was who was younger and up and coming. And I really I really admire that greatly. So whilst we were in Liverpool, obviously you had that amazing interview with William when that awful tragedy in Belgrade happened. And you said the press kind of changed. Why do you think they changed because of that? Because you were more human or? I think there was a really big misconception about me throughout years of my career, if I can call it like that. But I was always like in Serbia, like I, I was never media trained. So I, I released my first single, Degeneration, which was about like the critique of the modern society back in 2012 when I wrote it. And I went to the interview morning show and they were asking me about the song and I started like explaining it you know like from an artistic point of view and people are like oh who the hell he thinks he is <laughs> like we don't want to listen oh he thinks he's so smart or he's very snobby he thinks it like you know like you can't like explain that you have a proper stream of consciousness that brought the song and I think like Every time I went to interviews, I was always talking about art, really. With winning Pose, I think, I don't know, I, I just think people thought I was really stuck up or, or something like that, just because of my approach to how I talk about art and music. In Serbia, that's not, like, you, you can't really talk about that because it's like nobody finds it interesting and people w would think you're full of it. Here it's different because like obviously there <laughs> the the music and the art behind music pop music at least kind of originated here as well. So that's why I say I feel more like at home for my music uh, here and I think I wasn't media trained for the for the interviews about the tragedy. It was a really difficult time. Like I had, you know, half of the country kind of hated me because like they treat Eurovision really seriously as though it's like some, you know, big, <laughs> big thing. I mean, it's a music competition. Like I love it. But like, seriously, like Eurovision in Serbia, they keep kind of putting everything on your shoulders as though I'm a politician or something like that, that I was going to do something, you know, important for the country. After the, the tragedies, I, I was saying, like, you know, it's really weird to kind of just go and everybody's happy, you know, on Eurovision, even though everybody, you know, is stressed out and and there's loads of rush and, and you know, the artists as well. And we were talking like uh, I was friendly with loads of artists and I knew that they were uh, under a lot of stress about things and it's not all like fireworks but still like loads of people are also having fun they're there to have fun and here I am you know I'm supposed to sing I guess um, uh, I was I, I, you would call that singing like in some of Mrs. Pava and I, I felt really weird to perform um, and especially after Eurovision to go back home uh, because I don't think like it was a time to actually do that like you know tragedies happen right but it's children and it's like really close to home and and it, it you know you're you, you send your child to school and they and they don't come back and i was like crying so much in, in the hotel room in liverpool like i was not being i you know we would go out to get food and then i would run into the toilet to cry because i wouldn't be able to like sit for 30 minutes without crying and I really felt like I don't want to do it. I had to, for some reason, you know, uh, be on TV, on national TV, 
to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like uh, me, <laughs> I, I mean, I was, I was supported obviously by the delegation, but it was like people were like waiting what I'm going to say. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like I'm the queen, you know, <laughs> of, of Serbia. And then I remember I was like, well, okay, I mean, we'll go on TV. And then I just said how I felt. And people were like, oh, like he, what, what did they expect that I was going to say? I mean, <laughs> I don't really know. Like, um, but um, I think they really liked how I approached everything and made it really tasteful, I guess. Was it hard to perform? Well, I mean, there were so many things. I was, I was, I was talking to. I met up with my choreographer yesterday. She's in London. Uh, we're working on on something called Project December. But we were talking about it, and she was watching my concerts from London, and she asked me like. Oh my God, where was that guy? <laughs> yeah, I was looking at the concert in London and she was like, who, who, like, you were, you're such a performer, like, and on Eurovision, you were really like, I was kind of tired. <laughs> it was very difficult. I said to her, I was the producer. I wasn't the performer. On Eurovision, I literally was 90% the producer and then 10% of the performer, you know, and there's a reason why people have loads of people in their team, which is, you know, so that the performer goes and have has fun and can go into that. And being on my concert allowed me to do that. So there was that thing. I wasn't literally a performer. There was no performance charisma. There was no performance getting ready for the performance. It was, oh, getting everything ready that the performance can happen. And then I went on stage. The the tragedies in Serbia made it more difficult um, because I don't I didn't really feel like doing it. And there was a moment where I was like, oh my God, I don't want to seem like a diva, but I'm I'm here to perform and everything. But at the same time, like I was like, I don't want to do it. Like, you know, you know, you get this opportunity once in your li lifetime, and then I'm like, Oh, but I don't want to do it. It just doesn't make sense anymore. And kind of like the song itself, like I'm like, just like, I'll just give up, you know, I'm signing off. I, I didn't really want to do, do it. I, I really didn't think it was like a time and place for any performance. Luckily, you know, I'm quite melancholic and depressed. So like, you know, you, I wasn't there like the hurricane, you know, like just <laughs> flashing it all out. Um, um, so it had a somber kind of... Um, quality the performance so it kind of did respect things in a certain way but yeah I would say like I I definitely for the semi-final or the final I don't even remember but I I felt really weird doing it and I don't feel sad about feeling that way when when I think about it. like I don't think like oh my god but it happened once, it's never going to happen again, you know. I should have actually tried to embrace the moment, maybe for myself and be a bit selfish at that point, so I can actually make it all happen and perform, but I just I just didn't, and I'm, I'm fine with it. Maybe, like, I would have gotten, like, even a better result or something if I was putting my, you know, my energy into it, but I just didn't care <laughs> at the end. I mean, it's really sad to, to say, but... There are really bigger problems than Eurovision. Going back home was really weird because I didn't want to go on TV and talk about the unfortunate incidents. And, you know, I just came here to London and kind of 
slept through all of my obligations after Eurovision that I had to do. I, I just didn't do them. <laughs> and the 90% producer, what were some of the things you were doing rather than focusing on the performance? Were you like literally buttoning up the dancers? I mean, yeah, <laughs> at times. I mean, we were... So I, I received the news that they liked my song sometime before, like in January, before they announced it. And I started working on it then. And the end of my work finished actually when I released I'm So Happy, uh, the, my, my post-revision single. It was, I was constantly on that work mode. That entails, you know, opening up an Excel spreadsheet and then just putting the names of all of the uh, movable parts and members of the team, and then their contact details, and then getting everything ready, planning out trips for the dancers, uh, you know, getting cost estimates, um, having, you know, like all of that, budgeting, calling the taxi, making sure that they're on time, making sure that everybody gets the message, creating separate groups on WhatsApp because you don't want to overburden some people. If there's choreo, I have a choreo group, but then there's choreo and direction group. And then there's so many things. And I remember I was even carrying the, there's a photo, I forgot where it is, but I fell in, in, in like a really big pile of mud uh, before the Pizzea performance because I was carrying the prop. It was really difficult. It came from London, from my, my friend Furman sent it and I was in, I was loading off the truck. I also organized the transportation and necessary papers for it to be delivered in Serbia and to pay all of the customs. And then on Eurovision, you know, you want to make sure that everybody's in the bus at the same time. I wasn't alone doing it, but still, like, if you don't do it yourself in a way, you know, you, you are the one who cares m the most about your project. So like at, at certain times, if I, if I, you know, turn the blind eye or like try to rest, things would, you know, go downhill. So <laughs> I would have to like, you know, and we had a really big mishap actually before Eurovision. The new sculpture that we made uh, fell apart once it arrived to the Liverpool arena. So and yeah, and the, ba and the, the mechanism that we envisioned for the cable removal didn't work. So I had to do crisis management and then we had to rebuild it you know bbc and the production were really really kind to like let us work on that there because because <laughs> you shouldn't do that but they were really kind to like my team and they allowed us but it's fine you know like i really love the idea I t i'm telling you the ideas are bigger than what i than myself so like um it's not it's something that i have as an idea and then to reach the goal, that's the, the, the enjoyable part, <laughs> maybe. Have you rewatched the performance? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I rewatched, uh, I actually rewatched the finale because my producer said that it was uploaded in mono. And then I was like, what? And I was trying to figure it out with the AI, you know, to see what, what kind of like the quality of the exports of the audio is. And I was really surprised that it really was. I was. Uh, re-watching mobile phone recordings because I think like I forgot at that certain point that it's actually Eurovision is a televised show I literally did not care <laughs> I was like oh the arena the people there and I'm performing for them and I was literally unaware of all the cameras I didn't, I didn't even know what was happening at that time but the reaction 
from the people. You know, there was like almost 10,000 people there and they were all screaming. And, and when I when I watched the semifinal, you can hear the audience better of the, because it was kind of like a better sound quality. And literally every 15 seconds, whatever I would do, the whole thing, the whole arena would scream. And I was like, oh, my God, maybe I'll win. <laughs> <laughs> I, re I remember I was like, wait, what? Because <laughs> like I didn't think people would like it. And then all of a sudden, like everything, if I move there, they scream. If I <laughs> and then when I rewatched it, I was like, wow, like there was so many like really cool epic moments from the performance. But I think definitely what I rewatch is the is the arena, you know, filling out the missing line from my song and <laughs> and you know i love them I, i i mean and the the amount of people that i met after that like as 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 fans actually like of my music after eurovision really 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 priceless you talked a bit about the um kind of tech aspects i remember when um, i bumped into you in the green room was it i probably before the jury final and you were saying that your earpiece <laughs> was, you were really you were really upset because you couldn't hear yourself in the thing was that was it all uh, right on the night um well, well you know there were so many things happening uh i think like they changed the sound a lot or i don't know maybe i i i just not i'm not experienced enough i mean that's also a really big possibility i i i remember you know it's a really difficult song to sing you're lying down and you're uh singing in an airy voice There was no chance, even though they told me just like maybe like kind of try to belt it out a bit more. Like conceptually, when you're waking up from your really long sleep, you won't actually be Pavarotti, you know, like you're you're going to be like uh, <laughs> and and <laughs> trying to keep it that. And I, I think like loads of loads of artists there were like with really strong voices. I was more like a Billie Eilish approach. And I don't think like it was really it's difficult to to really mix it and get the uh, inner monitoring right once you're real singing really quietly. It's really if it's really difficult, you need to do loads of noise cancellation on the mic. You need to do a lot of compression. You need to do like loads of EQing. You need to like get the lows out because you're not going to be using it and then boost up the mid range. So like you would actually hear the consonants and everything. So um, it's really difficult. I think, yeah, I didn't hear myself on the family show. Yeah, it was during the day. I literally didn't hear myself. <laughs> it was like I was singing and I was like, well, what comes out, comes out. I had removed at one point, but you can't see that because the, the frames were really far away. But I removed literally, I think in the semifinal, like I removed my one of my um, earpieces just so I can hear myself actually better, I guess. But it was fine, you know, and also as an artist and a performer in a very high, like a tense, high risk performance very important performance it's it's really important to even though there is a mistake or a mishap you know imagine i was on glastonbury and then all of a sudden I start singing and you know we did have a sound rehearsal but in on the, in those festivals you don't you can't really have a proper sound rehearsal like it's your own show mm -hmm. so basically imagine like It, it started, like I couldn't hear myself. I, I should be able to, as a performer, go through those things and then learn how to fix that situation for myself at that point when I'm performing. So I think, like, I, do, I, do, I don't mind it, really. I wasn't really that mad about it. It was just, you know, kind of, 
when when you have like the pressure of your country on your back, you kind of want to make it perfect for them. If it was just my show, I would just you know. In China, I remember when I was on tour, like the 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 sound guy just never didn't want to turn off the the reverb. We, I was waving and waving, and it was all like wherever I move, like you can get the mic feedback, and I just like put the mic down and sang without the mic. I was literally like whatever <laughs> you know uh you know you need to learn how to manage all of that and in the aftermath of eurovision there was this huge debate this year about the jury versus the televote where do you stand should it be reformed should we get rid of the juries i don't really know i i would have to say that i'm not uh like a really big massive eurovision fan so i don't think like my opinion matters like you know what i mean like i ha don't have much knowledge in order to be like, oh, the jury is bad or, or the public vote is bad. I think, you know, I'm always skeptical about when there's a room of people that are secretly put in to put a vote. You know, like you can always, not, I'm not saying it is, but you can always kind of influence people to go in a certain direction. I'm not saying it happened, so I'm, I would like to believe that it doesn't. So I think it's quite important, actually, then that that, that you have like juries um, of if they are really good musicians and they know their stuff, and you know, it, and it's important to be like varied. You can't just have like bunch of old white men, you know, like being like, oh yeah, this is good, this is not good. That's what we had on Pazea on first night, and they thought I was I can't swear, but you know, um, and 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 then once the young uh, people were in the finale, they all gave me point. You know what I mean? Like it's it's really and but also at the same time, you know, art. You know, when you put your song out there with Eurovision, and it's very subjective. So who the jury then would mean that each person depends on luck, on who is in jury and how, what their mood is like that day. You know what I mean? Like, it's really, really, really a tactile kind of thing. Like, I think, I think the public in a way, they're watching the show, they're making it happen, actually. Like, I mean, they, they really are. Like, if nobody watched Eurovision the, from the audience and the public, it wouldn't exist. <laughs> like, and I think that's why they are the most important. Even though I had, like, 16 votes, like, it's not like I'm really happy about the public vote. But, like, I think, you know, whatever they say. Sorry to zigzag all over the place, but I was just thinking you talked a lot about having the pressure of Serbia on your back and um, how they held you in such, like, like basically a politician. Why, why <laughs> is it so important? For Serbians, why is Eurovision so big and important for Serbians? What's what's it like? I mean, it it it, it is, you know, an important show. Like it's 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 you're representing your country in a way. Like my country has gone through so many bad things, and people are really confused. And you know, there were protests like uh, right after Eurovision. I remember they were like literally holding up the banners with the quotes from my song, which was like against the government. But it was like a revolt for the nothing being done after the terrible, you know, accident that happened throughout Eurovision. It's their time to have fun after so many things that are happening you know people are not that happy in serbia you know with with like the 
a work uh, payment system and blah 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 like you know it's not uh, it's not you know still not good place for you know the lgbt community but like still i think they consider eurovision as you know well it's sponsored by the government uh, by tax right payments national tv i don't even know where the money comes from but like they paid for it and it's their time to have fun it's their once a year you know it's theirs and like you know you have to you have to do that and and that's why i think like they put a lot a lot of focus and importance on who's representing Serbia on Eurovision like there's so much like public opinion I think like I understand to a certain point you know when wanting to escape I understand that better than anyone and I think that Eurovision is definitely like a really escapist period for people in Serbia Luke Black thank you so much oh thank you so much 